Today is the 3rd of May, is that right? 2008, and uh, we are discussing uh, Lesson 5 of Matthew Part 3, which is a focus on Chapter 24, the Day of the Lord. And what we're going to do is we're going to start, and as people wander in, we'll tell them to have a seat and, and join us. Uh, let's open in prayer. Our Father, our King, we thank you that you have given us uh, uh, not just clear instruction on how to live today, but what we can place our hope in in the future. And Father, we know uh, uh, quite well that our hope rests in the very thing that we trust for our daily lives, and that is you. Father, we thank you that you have prepared a way uh, for us to uh, return to you and uh, fellowship with you. Father, we know that the way is through our Messiah, Yeshua, alone. Father, we thank you that you have also provided us with a hope of his soon return to establish his kingdom, and Father, to reign over us. And Father, we pray that that might be soon and in our days. And we thank you that you have given us the assurance that you will do what you have said you would do. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. And this is from the Shemona Esrei, the Amidah. And it relates quite well to what we're talking about in chapter uh, 24 of Matthew. This is uh, Bonei Yerushalayim, uh, the blessing for the rebuilding of Jerusalem. And to Jerusalem, your city, may you return in compassion and may you rest within it as you have spoken. May you rebuild it soon in our days as an eternal structure and may you speedily establish the throne of David within it. Blessed are you, Lord, builder of Jerusalem. Amen. Uh, Chapter 24 immediately follows chapter 23, not simply in in sequence and chronology chronology then, but also in theme. Ironically, what uh, what we've been seeing in the book of Matthew is uh, is this call to repentance. It's a call to repentance, not simply because it's time, not simply because repentance is good, but because there is the idea of eminence. There needs to be repentance because something is about to change. And in in uh, in our book of Matthew, we have seen that something that is about to change is in fact the coming of the King, and that is repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It is near at hand. It is about to happen. And the idea that people must make themselves ready has been the theme of Matthew so far. And we understand and know quite well when we read the book of Acts that that theme continues with the first believers. They understood that man's response to the king coming should be that they should make themselves ready. Uh, That his kingdom would be established, would be against the wicked, and would be for the righteous. And we understand ultimately what we're doing is we're talking about return to the fellowship that we had in the garden, the return to the garden. Uh, the word paradise, in fact, is the garden. And the idea that, that uh, we are, uh, and we will see this, um, whether we be in our lifetime as we know it now, but most certainly in the, in the plan of God. From Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1, and then also uh, drawing from chapter, uh, verse 4. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, a branch, and that there shall grow out of its roots. And you remember from our first chapter of Matthew, this goes right back to that. He shall be called a Nazarene. He shall be called one from Nazareth. He is a Nazareth. He is he's the branch uh, from Branch Town. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Does this describe what he did in the Sermon on the Mount? No, not really. I mean, uh, you know, some might think that's kind of, he sounds kind of harsh at times, doesn't he? That's not what it's talking about, is it? With his breath of his lips, he shall slay the wicked. Did he do that? 
He spoke against things. But is that what it's speaking of? And if you go on to read in Isaiah 11, in fact, it's not. It's talking about a dramatic, something dramatic, something akin to war. Later on, it says, the wolf shall also lie down with the lamb and the leper shall lie down with the young goat. Did we see that? Did we see that on the Sermon on the Mount? You know, trying to make these metaphoric, you know, it is, a, it is an idiom. It's an idiom. People talk, well, the, the lion's going to lay down with the lamb, which, by, by the way, is not a biblical phrase. But, but the lion's going to lay down with the lamb. It's the lion's going to lay down with the wolf, or the wolf's going to lay down with the lamb. But, uh, the lion's going to lay down with the lamb. Well, you know, is, is, uh, people need that to say, well, it means there'll be peace. But is, it, is, it, is it literal, too? I would hope so. Uh, but it is an idiom as all. Well. It's going to be something dramatic. Those who would not ever be at peace are going to have peace. How's it possible? Uh, where could you find a place in the world where people would never have peace and then they'll have peace? Is there a place in the world where you can say they could never have peace? I mean, certainly through history you could find groups. But is there a group that goes on and on and on? Okay, we'll say 1,200 years at least. Yes. In fact, it's that... It's this very city that he's speaking of, Jerusalem. So, this is, uh, this is something we haven't seen. Matthew 24, Yeshua sounds like the prophets of old. Now they're saying, well, this is what we thought was going to happen. Finally, he's getting to the point. Yes, now we're talking Messiah. You know, all this, you know, love your neighbor stuff. Now we're talking Messiah, Right? Now we're talking. This is it. He's going to establish his kingdom. What was the message? Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. All they wanted was the kingdom of heaven. All some wanted was the kingdom of heaven. Thinking that they were automatically included. After all, all Israel is saved. This is is really kind of scary. So what do we see in Matthew chapter 23? Yeshua pointing the finger at those closest to him. Those those, uh, those Pharisees that are Pirshim. Uh, those, those who are separatists saying woe to you scribes and Pharisees you hypocrites those who are closest to him theologically were not living by what they said hypocrites and we saw that the eight woes match up very well with the eight ashrays the eight blesseds from Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 we understand or chapter 5 uh, we understand this eight woes these eight woes are scary but remember this is the message I'm about to tell you something that pertains to the very thing that you've been looking for, the coming of Messiah. But in, pre- in preceding that, what is our response supposed to be? Repent. Repent. So he's done that. Now we see chapter 24. One of the problems with chapter 24 is that people oftentimes begin reading in chapter 24. Well, why not? That's, we want to study prophecy. We go to chapter 24 of Matthew. No, if you want to study, if you want to study this topic, you have to start with the prophets. But at the very least, when you study Matthew 24, you should read, read Matthew 23. Most importantly, because Matthew 24 starts in Matthew 23. Uh, the topic, the theme, is found within this last week of his ministry. It is something that's pressing. There's time. Is running short and the message has to go out. Repent, repent, repent. Another problem with Matthew chapter 24, especially if you come from an evangelical Christian background, is, is that it, it has become the prophecy chapter. Uh, and that's and not, not that I don't disagree. I don't disagree with that at all. I, I find that to be absolutely true. The problem is that what we need to understand is it's not talking about things in the future that you can put on the shelf. Well, when it happens, get it out and study up. Or maybe you need to know a little ahead of time, but don't worry. 
that's for the future. And uh, you need to understand that the Lord's words never apply that way. Never. Not a single word in Scripture is about you can worry about it later. Nothing's there. Nothing is about, well, that's prophecy. Everything is about what are you going to do about it. Everything is about what are you going to do about it. So when you study this chapter, the question you have to ask is not just what do the people then think, what do I think and what do I do about it. Let's get into it, okay? Um, One thing very important as well is because Matthew 24 very closely follows Luke 21, there's often this overlay and a confusion of the two. Luke 21 and Matthew 24 largely comprise the same teaching, the same subject, but they're not the same venue. Luke chapter 21 is taught in the Temple Mount, most likely in Solomon's uh, colonnade, there in the Temple Mount during that last week. Matthew 24 is very clearly in verse in verse uh, uh, in verse one. Excuse me. Um, no, it's not verse one. We'll, we'll read it here in a second, but it's very clearly taught on 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 the Mount of Olives, which is where they were staying. That's why it's called the Olivet Discourse. It's it's taught while he's on the Mount of Olives. Okay, so it's not taught in the temple where Luke 21 clearly is. He's in the temple teaching this. So it's the same subject, two different venues. More importantly, two different audiences. The people in the temple, it's his disciples and everybody else. Whereas in the Mount of Olives, it's only his closest disciples that are being taught this. When you can, when you can separate those two, you become get a much clearer view of what Matthew twenty four is speaking of, as opposed to what Luke twenty one is speaking of. They're in agreement on big things, but sometimes it's looking way out into the future, and sometimes it's looking right at the the near future, the next generation. Uh, this is where our, our good friends from from uh, uh, Restoration Theology or or uh, or uh, um, excuse me, Reconstructionist theology like Presbyterians or, or uh, some branches of Lutheranism uh, get hung up on Matthew 24. They don't want to say, oh, this all happened, that all happened. It doesn't matter to us anymore. Well, first of all, if it all happened, it still matters to us. <laughs> still matters to us. But even if it did, even if, even if it's yet future, it still matters to us as well. It doesn't really change the message at all. Uh, around 68, the earliest believers... The earliest believers around 68 took the words of Matthew chapter 24 and Luke chapter 21 and they understood them to be calling the same thing and fled Jerusalem. They fled Jerusalem because they understood this is, this is it. This is the day of the Lord. And they fled. And in fact, this is a great accusation given against early believers. I'm talking about those who were Jewish only in that time. They were saying, look, you abandoned us in our, day, our greatest need. Remember Nachtimon Ben-Gurion, Nicodemus? He stayed. He stayed in Jerusalem. Or at least he, 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 he financed it, at least until, that, until the very end. And so when, when you have all the, the vast majority of believers leaving, and everybody else who's a true Zionist stay... How does that look? This was actually an early rift between the believers and, and, and Judaism in general. Was, was in fact over this issue and what we're going to discuss. That is the destruction of Jerusalem later on in 70. In the first century, however, after the destruction of the temple, they did not say, okay, it's closed, it's done. <coughs> that did not happen until later. They never, you know, after, after Jerusalem was destroyed, they didn't go, well, all that happened, okay, that's, none of this else can happen. And as we read 24, and if you did your study, you know that a lot of it didn't happen. 
and especially when you overlay it with the prophets. And that's what we're going to do this morning. In Luke chapter 21, there's two questions that come up. Yeshua is answering these two questions. Luke chapter 21, verse 5. Luke 21, 5 says, Then as some of some spoke of the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and donations, he said, These things which you see, the days will come in which not one stone shall be left upon another that, that shall not be thrown down. That's Luke 25, verses 5 through 6. Now go to Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. <coughs> And here's what I was looking for, sorry. Uh, Verse 3 says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him. This is a different venue. This is a different teaching. What are their questions? Tell us, when will these things be? Well, that sounds kind of the same. And what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? The sign of your coming in the end of the age. What's the question over in chapter 25? what's What's he talking about? He's talking about the destruction of the temple, right? These things which you see in Luke 21, verse 6. These things which you see, the days which are about to come. Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. They're not asking about that. They're saying, uh, actually, they're asking about this question. He says, that's what's going to happen, not one stone, up in verse chirp, chapter 24, verse, verse 2. Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, when he's talking to his disciples later, he left the temple, right? On the Mount of Olives, they say, what are these things going to be? But more importantly, we're not just talking about the destruction of the temple. What will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? Chapter 24 is an answer to those questions. The sign of your coming in the end of the age. Not about when will the temple be destroyed. That is what Luke 21 focuses on. When will the temple be destroyed? And you're going to see that there are remarkable there are overlays and there are remarkable comparisons not to discount them but chapter 24 is clearly about something else in addition to that okay let's go into it um, and I, I you know I put all these notes down there's no way that I could possibly cover this stuff my preparation is generally for about an hour and a half and we have 45 minutes so getting halfway through should always be counted as a good thing but I'm going to skip through a lot of this if you're agreeable because I want to get into the meat of the of the uh, of the uh, things that we read from the prophets go to chapter 24 verse 21 chapter 24 of Matthew verse 21 Actually, let's go up to verse Let's start at verse 16. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. What, what, why is Yeshua referring to... Who is Yeshua referring to when he says Daniel the prophet? Daniel who wrote the book of Daniel, right? And what did Daniel say about the abomination of desolation? What is that? Does anybody know the name of that teaching, the abomination of desolation? Where is that found in Daniel? Anybody know? Daniel chapter 9 is what's called the 70 weeks, right? Okay. The abomination of desolation. Standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let, uh, actually it's found later on as well in chapter, I think it's for chapter 11. Uh, Whoever reads, let him understand those who are in Judea. Flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let he who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. Do you know that the first century believers, that's exactly what they did in 78, in 68 rather, of of the common era. That's exactly what they did. They go, it's time, let's go. Now, don't even go back and get your stuff. 
with leave. And they leave, they left en masse. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight... But why did they do it? Did they do it because they saw the abomination of desolation standing in a holy place? If you go over to Luke, it says when you see armies encamped around Jerusalem. Different trigger. As we as refer to in the airline industry. What's the trigger for doing this? And the trigger is, when you see this, do this. When they saw armies, they fled. Here it says when you see the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place. Um, many of our, our praetorous friends uh, who say this has already occurred say, well, that, that was Hanukkah when they read it in Daniel. But then when we get to Yeshua's words, they've got to smooth it over somehow. Well, no, it wasn't. It was something else. Well, what was Hanukkah about? If you don't celebrate Hanukkah, maybe you don't know. But wow, there's a, a remarkable comparison to what's going on here, right? They cleansed the temple after the that's right. The abomination in the wing of the temple. Yeah. The problem is that was 135 years before it. Exactly. Exactly. So, but you know something? This is the way I read the Bible. A lot of the things that happen keep on happening until we get it right. You know. <laughs> if you want to know Matthew 24, you want to know what's going to happen in the future. Celebrate Hanukkah. They'll keep reminding you over and over and over again. There's going to people come and say, "Don't do that." That. God's word doesn't apply that way anymore. <laughs> Verse 20. Now, this is difficult for the praetorists as well, unfortunately. And pray that your flight might not be in the winter on the Sabbath. Ah, who cares about that? What difference does the Sabbath make to some people, right? For then there will be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world, until this time, no, nor ever shall be. It doesn't even count for the Holocaust. Oh, that's a remarkable thought. As bad as that was, that's not as bad as it gets. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. You know, this, this doesn't sound like the, seven, the year 70 and the destruction of Jerusalem or the year 73 and the destruction of, of uh, the last Jews holding out of Masada. This doesn't sound like it, does it? Then if anyone says to you, look, here is Messiah, or there, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if anyone says to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. You might be able to somehow metaf- you know, create a metaphor out of this or, or, or uh, you know, uh, create an analogy that kind of leads you to believe this has happened or, or parts of this has happened and uh, you know I, I think that abomination and desolation is one that doesn't happen but you know when you when you move beyond verse 28 there's just no way there's just no way verse 28 for wherever the carcass is there the eagles will be gathered together immediately after the tribulation of those days the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light the stars will fall from the heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken then the signs of the son of man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory and he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the heaven to the other and if you, if you 
pray the traditional prayers, you've heard these things being prayed by Jews. There's no difference. Why? Because these are the these are the sayings of the prophets before. These aren't this is not something new. The people standing there, his disciples on the Mount of Olives, hearing this would not be going, What? We've never heard this before. No, in fact, they were probably saying, Finally, now you're getting to it. This is what we thought Messiah coming was all about. This is what, you know, all the love your neighbor, you know, wonderful teachings you've been given, we, you know, we embrace that. But this is what we thought Messiah coming was all about. Are they going to be disappointed in a couple days? <laughs> yeah. Well, at least for a while, anyway. So, here's the answer to these two questions. What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? They just gave them the answer to the two questions. The sign of your coming and the end of the age. The sign of your coming and the end of the age. So, if it happened, obviously, we've missed it. <laughs> Go to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Ma'am. Was that a way of saying, when are you going to set up the kingdom? Yeah. That's right. And he gave them the answer they wanted. That's exactly what they wanted to hear. Finally, this is what we've known all along. This is not something new. This is the Messianic hope of the first century, y'all. And it's not just among his disciples. This is what everybody was expecting. Why? You're going to finally come. Listen, they saw the year, whenever it was, 30-ish, to be the last. This is it. Finally, if, if he is Messiah, this is the end. The end. And he's going to set up his kingdom and Rome will be overturned and finally the, the Torah will go out from Jerusalem and all nations will come and, and bow to the God of Israel. That's what they thought was about to happen. Boy, he just gave them, he just gave them great news. Finally. But this is what we may hear you talk about. He could, have, he could have joined any prophecy conference right there. Maybe going, all right, this is it. Go to chapter, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the days of Pentecost, that is Shavuot, uh, which we're counting down towards, we have 36 more days. I have 36 more days after tonight, as sunset. That's Shavuot. Finally, come. They were with one accord in one place. And as we've discussed, the one accord with one place. Uh, later on, there's there's uh, thousands of people, and there's only one place in Jerusalem. There could be one in one place, in one accord, and that is the Temple Mount itself. And the one place, obviously, in, in Hebrew, Hamakom, is a circumlocution. It's a evasive synonym for the person of God who's found to be at the place. That's what it means, the place. Hamakom means the place, and it's a circumlocution for the Temple. So, in one accord, at one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing and mighty wind, and it filled the whole house, the whole house, bite, Habayit, Har Habayit, Mount Temple Mount, Habayit, the temple, which means simply the house, filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues of fire, and one sat up, sat upon each of them, and they were filled, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And actually, I should be in 
Yeah, that's right. Keep going. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under earth. And it is, and as the sound occurred, the multitudes came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language, which they're all going to Shavuot. Why not? That's exactly our traditions, that God spoke and everybody heard in their own language. Right? Back at Sinai. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Even the Judeans were saying this because those people talked with a funny lisp uh, when they spoke Hebrew or Aramaic. So Parthians, Medes, uh, Elamites, dwelling in Mesopotamia, Jews, uh, Judea, Cap- Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia. These are all Jews, by the way. Uh, Figria and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, those who had been converted to Judaism. Cretans, not idiots, but actually people from Crete. And Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mock, saying they're full of new wine. In other words, they're drunk. But Peter, standing up within the eleven, with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea, and all who dwell in Jerusalem let this be known to you and heed my words for these are not drunk as you suppose since it is only the third hour of the day which means what? 9 a.m. which is when? the time of the first sacrifice and what were people in in Jerusalem doing at 9 a.m. in the morning on the day of Shavuot? there was no place anywhere in Jerusalem for people who were who were clean who were ritually clean to be except in the Temple Mount this is this is like the this is like the underlining saying this is at the Temple Mount everybody's at morning prayers at the third hour there are morning prayers for these are not drunk as since it is only the third hour of the day but this is what is spoken by the prophet Joel this is where we're going today and it shall come to pass in the last days says God that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your young men shall see visions your old men shall dream dreams and my man and my and on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy and I'll show the wonders in heaven above and the signs on the earth beneath fire blood and fire and vapor of smoke the sh- sun shall be darkness turned to darkness the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved what did they think was about to happen this is it Shavuot perfect timing how we had we had Pesach we had Passover we've been counting the days as we're supposed to we get to 50 and what is it it's the end of the world as we know it that's right this is the day of the Lord what else would you have thought I mean ironically I mean any one of us would have been doing exactly the same thing if we had this biblical background this is it so what happened for 1975 years I mean the church won't <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right, all right. We'll get back to that in a second. Yes. Right. Unfortunately, we we didn't quite understand that the end of days has a first days, and that's what was happening. We had begun the end of days. That's exactly right. Uh, Yeshua goes back and he talks about when you see the Son of Man coming in clouds. That's Daniel chapter seven, by the way. Let's go to Daniel chapter seven, verse thirteen. This is not talking about the wing, uh, the abomination of desolation seeing on the wing of the temples. <coughs> that's not a that's not a uh, Barack Obama joke. <laughs> They're really real deal of an abomination. Uh, chapter seven of Daniel, verse thirteen. This is probably in the first century and thereafter probably the most 
but most profound messianic picture ever given. This is what Messiah is about in everybody's mind in the first century. And that's from Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. That's from Matthew 24. He came to the Ancient of Days and brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. Then all peoples and nations, languages, should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. Sounds like the end of the Alain prayer. You know, in that day, his name will be one, his kingdom will be one, and all the world will worship him. We don't bow our knees to idols; all knees will bow to him. I mean, this is this is this is the messianic hope that Matthew twenty-four is like. This is it. Boy, it's just too bad it follows of Matthew twenty-six and twenty-seven. Maybe, right? Well, we know that's not true, but maybe in those days they wouldn't have thought that. What happened? All of what Peter's sermon and what Yeshua is speaking of are being drawn from the prophets. And a great place is in Joel. And actually, uh, Peter quotes from Joel chapter 2. Let's go to Joel chapter 2. Amos, Daniel, Hosea, Joel. Chapter 2, verse 1. And my Bible has an English title over it. It says, The Day of the Lord. I'm going to just give you a little of my own personal bent. The day of the Lord is the same thing as the Lord's day. Joel chapter 2, verse 1. There's only one. When's the day? What's the day of the Lord? What's the Lord's day? Well, now you see you guys are Sabbatarians, so I can't say that to you. Most people, what would they say the Lord's Day? Well, don't you mow your lawn on the Lord's Day. What do they mean? Don't mow your lawn on Sunday. Right. (laughs) And they get that from Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. Look, it says right here, John, or chapter 1. It says, John says, well, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. You know, you say it's not on Sunday. (laughs) Well, no, maybe they need to go back to Joel chapter 2. Maybe the Lord's Day is the day of the Lord. English sounds different, but it's the same. It's the day. It's Yom Hashem. Right? It's His day. What is this day of the Lord? People say, oh, I can't wait for the day of the Lord. I don't, I don't think you want to ask for this. <laughs> Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. Where is it speaking of? Zion, Jerusalem. Okay. All inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, and it is at hand, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like the morning clouds spread over the mountains, the people come, great and strong, the like of whom has never been, nor will ever be any such them. even for many successive generations, a fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns, the land is like the Garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness, nothing Surely nothing shall escape them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, like swift steeds they run. With a noise like chariots over mountaintops they leap. The noise of a flaming fire like a devourer, stubble like a strong people set in battle array. Before them the people writhe in pain. All faces are drained of color. They run like mighty men. They climb like the walls like men of war. Everyone marches in formation. They do not break ranks. They do not push one another. Everyone marches on his own column. They all lunge. Though they lunge between the weapons, they are not cut down. They run to and fro in the city. They run on the walls. They 
that wall, they climb into the houses, they enter the windows like a thief. The earth quakes before them, the heavens tremble, the sun and moon grow dark, the stars diminish their brightness, the Lord gives voice before his army, for his camp is very great. For strong is the one who executes his word, for the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart. With fasting, with weeping, with mourning. That word turn to me is, is teshuva. That's where we get there, excuse me, the noun would be teshuva, which is what we get repentance from. Repent. Shuv. Shuvi is what he says. Return. You return. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great out of great kindness, and he relents from his doing and doing harm. He knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him? A grain offering and a drink offering for the uh, for the Lord your God. See how far I need to read here. Verse, excuse me, what was it? Verse 2 through 18. Okay. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the, the congregations. By the way, this is the, one of the readings for uh, Rosh Hashanah. Uh, one, of the, one of the readings for that day. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children and nursing babes. Let the bridegroom go out from his, from his chamber and let the bride from her dressing room. Let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, Spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage a reproach that the nations should rule over them why should they among the why should they say among the peoples where is their god then the lord will be zealous for his land and pity his people the lord will answer and say to his people behold i will send you grain and new wine and oil and you will be satisfied with them i will no longer make you a reproach among the nations this isn't talking about 70 of the common era or 135 when Jerusalem in 70 was was plowed over in 135 was plowed over salted and no stone upon a stone had already happened in, in 70 it was plowed over and salted so nothing would ever grow there in the second century there was nothing there later on in the, later on in the second century they built a new city over it this didn't happen this never happened he has never said that's it you no longer will fear to his people has he I mean he said it but has it happened has it happened when had when, you know everybody thought when Jerusalem or when, when Israel was finally re- reconstituted as a state in the modern times well finally it can happen well absolutely something's different anyway didn't have Jerusalem then in 67 well we have Jerusalem I'm sorry there's still people shooting I don't know if you noticed or not there's still an abomination sitting on the Temple Mount it hasn't happened it hasn't happened not yet go to Joel chapter 2 verse 28 now and this is where Peter is quoted from in Acts chapter 2 Peter says this is it remember it hasn't happened yet Peter says this is it Acts chapter 2 or excuse me Joel chapter 2 verse 28 and it shall come to pass after this I will pour out my spirit on all flesh your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your old men shall dream dreams your young men shall see visions and on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days I will show wonders in the heavens and on earth blood and fire and pillars of smoke the sun, sh- sun shall be darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord that's what Yeshua said in Matthew chapter 24 it does but if you study Revelation there is a there, there is a direct correlation to the bowls the 
the plagues of the bowls uh, later on in Revelation and the plagues of Egypt. There is a direct correlation there. And what were the purpose of the what were the purpose of the plagues in Egypt? Two two purposes. To humiliate the Egyptian gods and to free the children of Israel. So what will be the purpose of these plagues? To humiliate the gods of this world and to free the Jewish people. <laughs> uh, it was done before, it'll happen again. Uh, Joel chapter 28 through verse 3 now. Excuse me, let me just pick up verse 32 since that's where I went. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. For behold, verse three, chapter 3, verse 1. For behold, in those days and at that time, when I bring back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem. Isn't it, my, isn't it ironic that Peter does not quote this? Peter's saying it started. He's not saying it's all happening. And that's what we're reading here. But he says, when I bring the captives of Judah and Jerusalem back. I'm sorry, they're all in Jerusalem when Peter reads this. Jerusalem has not been destroyed yet. They're not scattered all over the world when Peter quotes from this. But then they are. I mean, in dramatic ways. And for 1,800 years, they were scattered. I mean, 1,900 years, they were scattered, you know, as you could be ever be scattered as a people. Ever. See? Was that the same correlation between the old quote when Yeshua takes the soul of Isaiah and reads? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the of God. that's right. Always pay attention to where the, they stop quoting. Mm-hmm. I mean, remember, we always taking it in context anyway. Read before, read after, but always pay attention where they stop quoting, especially if they're quoting for prophecy, because they're not saying this is all happening. They're saying, "Get ready. This is what you're supposed to be looking for." Shavuot has a, has a real teaching for us today. Counting the Omer has a real teaching for us today in understanding how we are supposed to prepare ourselves for this day that is the future, this day of the Lord. Keep reading here in, in verse, chapter 3, verse 2 of Joel. I will also gather the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Where's the valley of Jehoshaphat? I'm sorry, it's not the Jezreel. That's Armageddon, as many... Prophecy people like to talk. Har, Har Megiddo. Uh, Megiddo is the place. Har is the mountain. And somehow that becomes a word that doesn't exist in Scripture and that is Armageddon. That's not where the Valley of Jehoshaphat is. The Valley of Jehoshaphat is actually the Kidron. It's the valley between, between the Mount of Olives and the Temple Mount. And bring them down to the Valley of Jehoshaphat and I'll enter into judgment with them there. It was a place of judgment. It's, it's the, the Valley of Kings is what it's called. The Valley of Kings. There's kings buried there now. On account of my people, my heritage, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations, they have also divided up my land. And, you know, I see a lot of prophecy people quoting this and I like it. I really do. I, I think that is exactly what we're saying. However, you have to be careful anytime you take modern circumstances and try and read them into Scripture. You might say, well, that may be what it's talking about, but be dogmatic about it is probably an error. But to say this sure sounds a whole lot like this excuse me President Bush who divided my land they have cast lots for my people have given up as a boy a payment for a harlot and sold a girl for wine that they may drink is that, is that what we do? got to be friends with the people who have the oil so we'll you know we'll pick on Jews a little bit more I mean it's not something we're not used to doing anyway indeed what have, what have you to do with me? O Tyre and Sidon and all the coasts of Philistia, will you retaliate against me? But if you retaliate against me swiftly and speedily, I will bring your retaliation upon your own head. 
because you have taken my silver and my gold and carried into your temples my prized possessions and also the people of Judah and the people of Jerusalem you have sold to the Greeks that you remove them from your borders this is what Rome did get rid of them move them out Jews were banned from the land of Israel Behold, I will raise up, verse 7, Behold, I will raise up for them out of the place which you have sold them, and return your retaliation upon your own head. I will sell your sons and your daughters into the land, into the hand of the people of Judah, and they will, and they will sell them for the Sabaeans, to the people far off, for the Lord has spoken. Proclaim among the nations, prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords. You know, I, I love that. The United Nations, they'll beat their, their, their swords into plowshares. This is, like, this is like a thumb in the eye. You know, beat your... That's right, this is the reverse. Who takes the, the swords and beats them into the plowshares? It's not men, it is the Almighty. What does man do? He takes, the, he takes the plowshares and he beats them into swords. It says, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong, and assemble and go and, you, and, all, and come, all you nations, and gather together all around. Cause your mighty ones to go down there, O Lord. Let the nations be called up and come to the valley of Jehoshaphat, the place of judgment. There I will sit in judgment. All the surrounding nations put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, go down, for the wine press is full, the vats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes and, des- and multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near. In the valley of decision, the sun and the moon will grow dark, Matthew chapter 24. And the stars will diminish, their brightness, the Lord will roar from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. The heavens and the earth will shake, but the Lord will be a shelter for his people. He's a sukkah. He will be a shelter for his people and the strength of the children of Israel. You shall know that I am the Lord your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain, and Jerusalem will be holy, and no aliens will, shall ever pass through here again. Boy, that has never happened. <laughs> and it will come to pass in that day that the mountains shall drip with new wine, and the hills shall flow with milk, and all the brooks of Judah will be flooded with water the fountains shall flow from the house of the Lord and water the valley of Acacias Egypt will be a desolation Eden will be a desolate wilderness because of the violence against the people of Judah for they have shed innocent blood in their land but Judah shall abide forever and Jerusalem from generation to generation for I will acquit them of the guilt of bloodshed whom I have not acquitted for the Lord dwells in Zion wow Soon, soon, Lord. Go to Revelation chapter 14, verse 20. And that, boy, isn't that good Sabbath reading? Whoa. I'm going to go home and read some more. Get depressed. You watch the news. Boy, just read some of that. Man, that'll do it. Chapter 14 of Revelation, verse 20. And the wine press was trampled outside the city. And the blood came up to the came out of the wine press and up to the horses' bridles for one thousand six hundred furlongs. Revelation nineteen verse fifteen. Now we're talking. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. Revelation nineteen verse fifteen. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule with a rod of iron. That's 
That's Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. He himself will rule with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of the Almighty God, and on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Go to Zechariah. By the way, it says no one though, and I put a note in here when it says no no alien will dwell in 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 Jerusalem. It's not Gear. Sometimes those words overlay in English. It's not Gear or Gerim, strangers or those who have attached themselves like Caleb or or uh, Ruth or um, uh, Rahab. Uh, rather, it's talking about Zor, strangers, not covenant members. It's people that have no business. They have never had anything to do with God. Is what it's talking about. Go to Zechariah chapter 14. Every Friday, they're up on the Temple Mount now praying. Daniel, what? Daniel chapter 7 verse 13. One like the son of one like the son of man coming. Zechariah chapter fourteen. Now the alien and strangers is talking about are people like those who are up on the Temple Mount now every Friday afternoon uh, praying to the moon god. Zechariah chapter fourteen verse one. This is the classic day of the Lord passage. Okay, if you ever want to know about the day of the Lord, settle it all. Read Zechariah chapter fourteen. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming. This is what Matthew chapter 24 is referring to. The day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations for battle against Jerusalem. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, the women's ravished. Half of the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the, of my, of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Well, first of all, that's not 70, because that didn't happen. They were banned from Jerusalem after it was destroyed. And in 135, the land was emptied of the people. Rome exported, expelled all Jewish people from the land of Israel in 135. No one was allowed to stay. Obviously they came back, snuck back in later. But. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations. He fights in the day of, as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountains shall move north, and half of it shall move south. And you shall flee through my mountain valley, for the mountain valley shall reach to Azal. One of the things that many people that read Luke chapter 21 in the mountain, the city of Jerusalem being circled by armies, they say, yeah, yeah, that was, that's what all these prophecies are speaking of. That's not what this says, is it? I don't know if everybody's aware of this, but Zechariah's fault was found. That's oh, really? That's 20 or 30 years yeah. ago. Yes, the Hilton Hotel chain. <laughs> Built on it, yeah. Which luxurious hotel yeah. on the south of the Mount of Olives. And they sent a team of geologists just to make sure. Mm-hmm. They found I'll be. Um, mm-hmm. I was, uh, well, I was, was a couple of years ago, I was in Jerusalem, I was down in the Cardo, and I, I, there's a very nice uh, sofa that uh, makes uh, mezuzahs and tefillin. Uh, down there very very nice man he only speaks Hebrew um, which I don't speak conversationally so I so I went in to talk to him and, and his, his granddaughter was in there so I asked him a few questions and I asked him about the four sheens on the side of on the side of the on the, 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 the head uh, to fill in the, the four the four leg sheen a sheen obviously has three legs right well there's four legs on the on, on the side uh, so I asked him about that what's the four all about uh, and and uh, and, you get, and, 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 I, and then I then I helped him. I go, you know, there's uh, Sarah, uh, um, Rebecca, Leah, and, Ra- and, and Rachel, and, and you know, he's saying in Hebrew, and I'm saying in English. We're laughing, and then and then and then uh, and then I said, and then there's Jerusalem, and I held up three, and I gave him the three the three mountains of Jerusalem, right? 
There's three mountains in Jerusalem. There's three mountains uh, that make up Jerusalem. And the Temple Mount is on the middle one, right? And they make they form a sheen. If you look at it from the air, it looks just like a sheen. It looks just like a sheen, which is, my name is there, which is on, on Mezuzah, right? Uh, but I said, well, there's four. And I said, and then uh, uh, when the Mount of Olives splits, then there's four. So it goes three to four. And he laughed. He laughed. He thought that was so funny. And then he says, and then he says, he says, there's... There's messianics, Christians walking around that are that are looking for cracks. We call them the people looking for cracks. <laughs> and he says, he says, but when Hashem comes, and I'm standing right next to this pillar and this, it's a subterranean. The cardo's down below ground level, so it's a subterranean uh, like building and walkway, and he's inside. And there's this big pillar right here, and I, so I, he goes, but when Hashem comes, grab the pillar. All of this will shake. So he's kind of laughing at the idea, yeah, yeah. But he knows the prophecy says, yes, the Mount of Olives is going to split. So everybody's looking for Messiah, and he's saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it will, it will split. Just what they, this is exactly what it says: the mountain will split, and you shall for the mountain the valley shall reach to, to Azal. This is verse five. As you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, thus the Lord my God will come. And all the saints with you. This is he's and, and Jude draws from this in, in Jude chapter one verse fourteen. Just hold your place in Zechariah and go real quickly over to Jude. The intertestament period, as it's called, the apocryphal writings that you find in some Bibles, the intertestament period are very, very interesting apocryphal writings. And as the as the as the sages went through what we would call a canonization process for the Tanakh. At the same time, early believers were doing something very similar. Uh, early believers did, included those as valuable texts, whereas the sages excluded them, but they excluded them precisely because the early believers were including them. Early Christians were including them. But there are very valuable writings in those apocryphal books, very valuable insights into this idea of messianism, that when Messiah comes and what it will be like, in fact, the vast majority of them are written about messianic things. So, uh, Enoch is a perfect example. Enoch is full of this stuff, and in fact, in the book of Jude, he quotes, or at least they quote a common source of Enoch. Jude chapter 1, verse 14, and this is one of the quotes. Um, if I can find it real quick. Jude 1.14 says, uh, Now Enoch, seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men, speaking of these, these, those who would lead people astray, also saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment all, to convict all who are ungodly among them for all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and, all, and, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. And that's a quote from Enoch, which actually is talking, which quotes from Daniel chapter 7, verse 13, as the Son of Man coming on the clouds. So it's all this one topic is being, being discussed. This is the man's messianic hope. This is to be feared, but to look forward to in a way. Continuing with uh, uh, Zechariah chapter 14. Uh, verse 6 it shall come to pass 
In that day there shall be no light. The lights will be diminished. It shall be one day. Now remember what, what Yeshua said. He said in Matthew chapter 24, remember your study, he says the sun and the moon will be darkened, right? And he says there will be no lights. The stars themselves will fall. And then he says it shall be one day. Remember what he said at the end of chapter 24? He said, of, of that day no man knows the hour. Uh, it shall be one day which is known to the Lord. Neither day nor night, but at evening time it shall happen that it will be light. And in that day it shall be... It shall be that living water shall flow from Jerusalem. Half of them, we read this in Joel, half of them toward the eastern sea and half toward the western sea. In both summer and winter it shall occur. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day it shall be one. The Lord is one and his name one. That's the, actually the Elenu prayer is straight, straight from uh, Zechariah chapter 14. Is that as far as I'm supposed to read? No. Keep going. All the land shall be turned into a plain from Geba to Ribon. South of Jerusalem, Jerusalem shall be raised up and inhabited in their place. From Benjamin's gate to the place of the first gate. From the corner gate, uh, from the tower of Hananel to the king's winepress. The people shall dwell in it. And no longer shall there be utter destruction. But Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited. The prayer for the rebuilding of Jerusalem is the prayer for this. The day of the Lord to come. And then the Messiah to set up his kingdom. And this shall be the plague with which the Lord shall strike all the people who fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall dissolve while they stand on their feet. Their eyes shall dissolve in their sockets. Their tongues shall dissolve in their mouth it shall come to pass in that day that a great panic from the Lord will be among them everyone will seize the hand of his neighbor and and raise his hand against his neighbor's hand Judah will also fight at Jerusalem and the wealth of the surrounding nations shall be gathered together gold and silver and apparel in great abundance such shall be the plague on the horse and the mule the camel and donkey and on the cattle that shall be in those camps so shall this plague be and it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations that come up against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. It shall be that wherever the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to dwell to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, on them shall be no rain. It shall be the family of Egypt shall come up and enter it. They shall receive no rain, and they shall receive the plague which the Lord strikes the nations who do not come up to keep the Feast of Sukkot. Warning. Everybody needs to keep the Feast of Sukkot. There shall be punishment of Egypt and punishment of all the nations do not come up to keep the Feast of Sukkot. In case you missed it, you better keep it. In that day, holiness to the Lord shall be engraved on the bells and the, of the in other words, not just on the priest's bells, the bells of the horses. Pots in the horde's house will be like the pots at the altar. Everywhere. Everywhere is holy. Yes, every pot in Jerusalem and Judah will be holiness to the Lord of hosts. Everyone who sacrifices, sacrifices? Yes, sacrifices. Comes, shall come and take up them and cook in them. In that day there shall be no longer a Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. Wow. This is a message, and as we get towards, and we didn't finish, but if you go back and you read Isaiah chapter 2 and bring this out, I mean, this, these prophetic statements of the prophets now are being fulfilled. Yeshua is speaking, this is going to happen. Now, what do the disciples believe in Acts chapter 2? This is it. Shavuot, it's perfect sense. We, as we count the days, need to be thinking that too. It wasn't then, but it was the beginning of the end. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for all that you give us. Thank you for the clear teaching of Yeshua. Teach us what it is to repent as we anticipate this day coming. In Yeshua's name, Amen.